Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Mary Kaufman's back. Mary, thank you for taking time out of your morning. Such a pleasure. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. Um, and we're going to pick up in our series of interviews or discussions about the growth mindset. So it's all based on the the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, we've done two so far. How would you how would you kind of encapsulate what we've covered so far, Mary? So comparing the fixed and growth mindset at its core, the fixed means that that intelligence is fixed. That growth means that intelligence can be developed. And what happens? for those who tend to have a fixed mindset or growth mindset, they have tendencies to how they approach challenges and obstacles. There are actually five categories that Carol Dweck explores. Our first two podcasts, as you said, looked at challenges, meaning how people avoid them or embrace them, and obstacles, meaning do they get defensive and give up in the face of obstacles, or do they persist in the face of them? The third one, as we explore it today, is around effort. Do people see effort as fruitless or worse, or do they see effort as a path to mastery? And if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you enjoyed the first two. We had a, actually a really good response to the two conversations we've had so far. So we're going to pick up and talk about effort. Um, before we get into that, though, Mary, could you give just a quick rundown of your role at Leading Agile and the work that you do? Absolutely. I am Mary Kaufman. I am the Principal Architect of Learning here in collaboration with Dave at Leading Agile. And I help unlock the ways and systems and ecosystems and how we learn, the way we think about learning, and how we can really unlock potential so that we can not only help our own people, but our clients with their growth plans and goals and achieve really, you know, all the things that they believe are possible about their future. All right, cool. Thank you. And and the takeaway for today, we're hoping you'll have a better understanding of the differences between these two ways of looking at effort. Um give you some examples of things that might relate to your personal life and to your work life. We're going to talk through kind of some of the stuff that we see with that. Um, any other takeaways you want people to have from this before we jump into it? Yeah. Just to realize that all of us have within us things that happen where we're conscious of it or unconscious of it. Where else in the world do you get to unpack and really think about your own approach and belief systems and how they might be either helping you and the people around you or holding you back? And so engage us the chance to say, hey, you know, I may try some new strategies or take a new tactic, something that for me or someone that I work with or know to help them achieve their potential. So just have that mindset. Cool. Thank you. Um, all right. So I'm looking at the graphic. I'm going to make sure we include a link to the graphic as well. It says when at the effort level that people that are fixed see it as fruitless or worse. People that are growth see it as a path to mastery. So where do you want to start? Well, I think it'd be fun to take a moment and, and, and recognize all the people that might be out there listening and kind of suggest maybe there's different audiences that might have an ear toward where might you sit. So there might be people out there who, who are the fixed mindset, okay. who don't really, or maybe don't even know that they are, but maybe are a fixed mindset. So we have people who are fixed, who are seeking to understand how to become growth. There are people who are in a growth mindset who are truly looking for strategies, ideas, or inspiration, or, or, you know, like, let's just say some energy to put toward it because they might be tired. Like wherever you are, whatever you've been doing might be holding you back. A okay. third set of audiences could be leaders out there who are truly needing to reinvent the way they inspire their teams to think differently about growth. And 
Dave, you know, you and I were chatting about this fourth, and I'm gonna let you cover that one around these organizations, like where organizations who may be stuck. They get stuck. Yeah. That at all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. And I and I also want to point out before we get into it that I think I, my opinion is you can be fixed in some areas and growth in others. Like I know that that's true for me, um, but we'll talk about that as we go through it. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, do you want to tell them one of the stories? Yeah, so so let's just start at, at the core, at, okay. at the core of this. If if in fact you were like an elephant as a baby, and when elephants are born, when they try to train them to you know understand and know their limits and their boundaries, they will tie you know a rope or a chain around one of their hind legs and tie it to a little post in the ground. And, you know, they're tiny and they're not necessarily strong enough. You know, they're fumbling around and they, they learn at a very young, young age that, hey, as soon as I get to the end of this rope, I'm at the end of my rope, I can't go any farther. And so they learn to limit what they believe about what their power and strength is based upon when they were an infant. And so that's you know, a learned fixed up. mindset. We were that's teaching a learned that. fixed mindset. Correct. Okay. And based upon even what you said earlier, Dave, my view is sometimes we may be in a fixed mind about, mindset about some things and a growth in others. And there may be truth to it. And you might want to you know, live that out and say, yep, that makes sense for me because I really am not interested in growing. However, if there are things about what you achieve or any person achieves, seeks to achieve in their life, and they have a fixed mindset about something, ask yourself, at your core, why you believe that. If it roots in something that could be where you felt that you were at the end of your rope, much like the analogy, where as you grew, you could easily, this elephant could easily pull the stake out of the ground and go with no limits. Are there places in your life that you need to ask yourself, am I stuck? because I've allowed myself to believe I should be stuck? Or can I release myself simply by changing my mindset? And in my view, that is the core around this entire effort approach. Is it worth it for me to try to keep tugging on the rope, whatever that might be? So when you, I, so for those of you listening, Mary and I prepped for this call and I was ready for the elephant thing, but two things just unlocked for me when you said it this time, Mary. One, the first one was, I started to wonder about all the places where I'm probably the one tying the elephant to the rope. I mean, like, I think if you're a parent, you nobody intends to do that to our kids, but we do that and our parents did it to us. There's places where we probably create that situation or the opportunity for it. Yeah. Um, and then the second one, which is where you kind of ended up was, where am I the person tying the rope around my neck and tying it to the stake and hammering it into the ground? Because that's, that's really the thing is like, how can you catch yourself being the one training yourself to be fixed? Exactly. And I, for me, it, it boils down to asking yourself why you do the things you do. And when you get to that deep rooted why, you will begin to unlock things for yourself that were really not even true in the first place that, that you or you believed in others to be true. For example, I can't, if I had a quarter for every person in my last several decades that I've worked with who said, oh, you know, I can't do that because I'm bad at math. 
I'm, I'm not good at math. And I know you can relate to this, Dave, because I'm sure a thousand <laughs> people have said the same thing to you. In fact, all of our listeners, how many of you have heard this, right? This is a very common thing. Many times people come to me, you know, I, I majored in computer science. And, you know, I would say to you as a middle schooler, I was challenged at math. My math instructor would not allow me to believe I was bad at math. And he just kept giving me relevant scenarios to apply it in ways that made sense to me that mattered. And all of a sudden, you know, math became fun for me. And I ended up being able to leverage and go through the classes and, and make something real because it was relevant and it mattered. And so my point in telling you the story is I had a, a woman I was working with who, who really was limiting herself. And she kept saying, I'm just so bad at math. I said, first, you say that you're bad at math. But if I said to you that in the next week, you would get a million dollars if you were able to do these things at math, would you do it? And she said, well, of course I would. You right. would take the time, you would figure it out, you would make it work to earn a million dollars. She said, yes, I would. I said, so you're not bad at math. You have a bad attitude about math or you don't want to put the effort or the desire behind it because it doesn't matter to you. Don't say you're bad at math. Don't say the things out loud that you don't want to be true. If you want to achieve goals, reframe what you're saying to yourself, just like the elephant. Rethink whether you're able to tug on that rope and actually tear it out of the ground or not. So that's the example. And I think like for me, that's one where, um, you know, you said, don't, don't say you're bad at math. Like I'm bad at basketball, any sport involving a round projectile thrown at me, I'm bad <laughs> at, um, but basketball in particular. And yeah, I guess I could probably, if I was willing to invest the time that would be required for me to be able to develop passable abilities at that, um, it's probably possible, but I guess maybe instead of saying bad, like if I was talking about basketball, it's not worth the time to me. It's not something know. that, that I, I mean, and I, and I'm acknowledging that I'm making a choice. Yeah. I'm choosing to not spend the time it would take to be good at that. Exactly. And you know what? It doesn't mean that you're bad at it. You might not be interested. And so let's be clear. I do not intend, and I know you don't, to confuse your areas of interest or maybe your strengths with things that might be not necessarily in the same Venn diagram as your skills or your abilities, right. right? If you don't love to do something, you know, why, why do it? If there's not a deep why behind it. The power of this whole growth mindset is to kind of help you take those Venn diagrams of, you know, what I want to do, what I love to do, what am I great at doing? You know, what am I interested in doing? What am I willing to put the time to? Like if you created this huge circle of diagrams, Whatever's in that sweet spot, all we're talking about is how can we help you rethink what you might believe to be true about your ability and or a willingness to put effort toward because you hit the million dollar deal, Dave. It's is what is your why yeah. behind what you're doing? And therefore you'll decide then to put the effort behind it. If your why is big enough, you'll do whatever it well takes. And I think that's a really important distinction to make is like, I may not be willing to invest time in learning to play basketball, you know, at a, like to a state where I'm not embarrassing at it, but that's mm -hmm. because I'm choosing to spend the time on other things that I, I am more passionate about that. I really want to yeah. invest my time in. And so I think that's a big part of it is if you think about your time and your attention, you're investing it. And part of this growth thing is I believe that if I put in time and effort, then there's a reward that I'm seeking. There's other stuff where I'm just like, 
yeah, you know, calculus, I'm, I could, but uh, why? Like, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agreed. And, and, and the thing is, it's all about purpose. And, and so when, when any of you out there, as you think about your future right now, you know, ask yourself, whatever goals you may have set, it might be near term, it might be something career-wise, maybe something in your life. Whatever step you feel you can take toward achieving that goal all ties back to the behavior around your belief system and the effort that you take. Are, are, do you have enough fear to motivate you? Do you trust enough? You know, what are you willing to do? And in my view, and you know, it ties back to this idea of the lever and the fulcrum. So you know, just to have kind of an analogy here, if you think about you have a car and you have a flat tire, and the, you know, you, you know, the tire jack. So I'm kind of, I'm just trying to bring everybody to this common space of understanding. The fulcrum is the, is the position of the, of the, of the um, tool that you put underneath. that's going to have the strength of the basis. The lever is like the arm that you put on it and what kind of energy that you can put toward it. Well, there's all different kinds of levers and fulcrums that in my view ties to effort. So if you think about this visual of a lever and a fulcrum, it's the stick or the thing that's going to do the work. In our lifetime, our mindset around our ability to apply effort to actually do something meaningful, it really ties back to that lever and fulcrum. You have to think about metaphorically, what are you doing to place the fulcrum and the lever in the right place? Can you see it? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to get feedback to make changes to it so that you can move that mountain or move that object farther? And this idea, it's your effort, if you will. So I have, I have a question. This isn't one that we prepped. So I, I, um, I'm just going to ask it anyway and see what happens. There's things um, in my life that I have learned to be more growth mindset about with respect to effort that I can acknowledge now, like if I think, why didn't I do this when I was younger? Why didn't I just naturally do this? I wasn't taught. I wasn't taught to do certain things, to, to engage with certain activities in a certain way that would lead towards a more positive outcome. So I just kind of like, yeah. you know, gave it a shot. It wasn't good. And I just gave up. Um, coming back to some of those things now, I'm taking a much more methodical approach and I am mm. seeing the difficulties as, okay, this is one thing that I can find a way to overcome. I'm going to, I'm going to work through it. But do you have things in your past where like, just nobody taught you, like you have to do this a thousand times for it not to be horrible. Um, oh, and then gosh. And th th now you can look at, at it and you're like, oh yeah, this is just supposed to be awkward in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, a great example is, you know, even speaking in front of people, you know, I was the last of my family and, you know, we had a lot of energy in our home and I was generally a follower and I listened and, you know, I wasn't the bold willing to kind of step out in front and risk stating something or being in front. And it kind of bled over into the classroom, you know, clear up until I realized, you know, if you think about the core of the power of your ability to create influence the power of taking thoughts and ideas and communicating in a way that moves people you know that is priceless and so that was something that no one really taught me it was through sheer 
you know, effort and desire and watching others do that and seeing the thrill of, of, of creating depth of understanding and connections between people that I realized the more I practice and learn this, the more that I ask her feedback, the better I'll get and the more of an impact and influence I can make in this world. So that's just one example. Dave. Okay. That's awesome. I love that you said practice there. One of the things that, um, Happened to me. I'm going to go back to meditation for a second. When we, because we've talked about this before, but when mm-hmm. I first started to meditate, um, the teacher would always thank us for our practice, and and that was really interesting. Like I never really in the beginning, it just seemed weird, um, but now everything that I do is practice. It's never like okay, that's done. It's like every day I'm going to try to do this stuff. Every interview is I'm practicing at getting better at it. Um, and I that, think Dave. having that, that approach to it makes it, I think it gives you room to have more fun with it, but also room to stumble a little bit here and there. Unbelievable. You know, great lead in because it is all about the power of believing you can improve. And why else would you practice if you did not think you could get better? You know, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you know, how were you able to do this or that? How long did it take you to prepare? And I chuckle because I'm like, it took a lifetime. You know, yeah. I don't ever like someone referring to me as an expert at anything. I am fine with coming alongside and saying, you know, she has a passion for as a student of and a, you know, experienced practitioner on this journey. You know, that, that to me is fine because I am learning. What you just said set, set up for an, an incredible insight that, that hit me about two years ago. Okay. So, so I'll tell you this story. I came alongside a YouTube promotion about a news story of a young woman who is a gymnast. She was training on the UCLA gym, gymnastic team. Her name is Caitlin Ohashi. And in this interview, the reporter asked her about her recent experience. And basically what was all the rage is that in her career, she had never performed a performance, like a floor routine that had gotten the perfect score. And she recently, in 2019, create, you know, created and performed this floor routine. And you could tell that she was just filled with joy you know, performing this routine. And this reporter asked her, you know, based upon what you know, I'm learning from you, Caitlin, you've been struggling lately. And, and Caitlin kind of pulled back the veil of her journey and said, yeah, she said, I have been a gymnast for so many years and I have had a love, a love of gymnastics. The challenge I had is that I was constantly, when I did well and I was doing well, I was clinging to maintain this level of perfection and I lost the joy of it. I stopped worrying. I stopped focusing on getting better and I just kept thinking about how can I stay relevant? How can I stay where I am? She had to have an awakening within her to reframe her joy of gymnastics. And she realized, I don't want to be perfect. I want to strive for perfection. I want to be reaching toward getting better all the time. I want to have a mindset that I can keep learning. And I want to live for the joy of it and learn and do and perform for the joy of it. So she performed this amazing routine. All you can find it online. It was January 12, 2019. This YouTube video has over 221 million views as of right now. And you can just see the delight in her and she scored a perfect 10. And I walked away from this. It was like a light bulb, like flashed on this massive aha that 
she gets the growth mindset. She thinks she understands effort because her focus is not about gripping and clinging to the things she already has. She releases it and is continuing to strive for continued growth and learning. And so for me, I just love this story yeah. and the things that she learned from it and what I continue to remind myself whenever I feel that need to already have arrived. So with the sports stuff, one thing I always think about with this is, and for me, I, I don't know why, but I always seem to go to baseball, um, probably because basketball's <laughs> I think. But when I think about somebody going up to hit, like somebody who's, you know, um, Bryce Howard goes up to hit. It's not that moment at the plate. It's every moment he's ever had at the plate. It's every single swing he's ever taken that is coming to that moment. And that growth along that journey is all what prepares him just for that exact second. And when I'm, when I'm doing things now, like whether it's teaching a class, working as a scrum master, playing music, it's, I try to think about that. Like, even if this moment's not going that well, it's leading to the moment that will. And the other thing that's been coming into my head recently is it's not just if I'm a scrum master, me and that company, it's every scrum master ever. It's all the people that came up with this stuff all the way back to Frederick Taylor. And before that, it's all of the work of all those people, just like all the gymnasts ever led to that moment with, with Caitlin. It's um, incredible that you just said that Dave, as you're talking, what comes to my mind is, and I'm totally joking with you when I say this, but you know, the purpose for this very podcast that you create, in my view, you are living the epitome of a growth mindset in that, you know, you are putting yourself out there constantly inviting more and more voices and people in conversation, asking deeper questions, giving people room to have dialogue and conversation and debate so that we can have a growth mindset. It's about effort. So you're living proof. What you're doing, this very platform is to create a vehicle for people to constantly strive to get better because you never know where these ideas, when they come together and collide, yeah. wow, what's the impact? I can only imagine what it's been for you, but I can guarantee you, you know, what it's been for those who listen. Cause I love listening to the other people that you bring in. I sit at the feet of some of these great people that you bring in and I'm excited to continue learning and growing. Yeah. So I think it's great because you're the living proof of it. Well, thank you. I always say it's very selfish cause I'm just trying to learn stuff from other people, but, um, what about when somebody's really stuck in something that's 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 going very very badly or appears to be like how would do you have techniques you use to kind of put yourself into a you know this the effort the thing that I'm engaged in right now is not going the way I want but there is a win here like how do you yeah. find the win I feel that first if anyone is feeling that whenever you might feel that, and of course we will all at moments in our life, it's really important that you stop and take a breath and take a moment to do something else so that your head is clear when you begin to tackle what you're going to do next. You've got to have rest. First of all, you need to get a good night's sleep because there's sometimes when these things can be so heavy, you feel like there's no way out. There's always yeah. a way out. The second thing I do is I phone a friend. They sound crazy, but I pick up the phone or I, I ping somebody that I trust and I say, Hey, help me see what I'm not seeing. Let me explain uh. where I am. Let me, you know, kind of paint this picture and help me to really get to the core of what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, why this matters so that I can see things I'm not seeing. Cause obviously I'm stuck. I need to see it differently. 
And I'm basically, I'm saying to you, these ideas, you could do these really in any order that you want. I'm just extemporaneously sharing with you what I do, yeah, what yeah. I've seen done. So, you know, getting rest, phone a friend, you know, talking to people. Third, sounds crazy what I'm about to say, but draw a mental model on paper, not using words necessarily, pictures. When you get into what we would call the, some people call it the default mode, mode network, you know, basically there is recesses of your brain where you're in focus mode, where you're total focus, focus, focus all the time. Yeah. yeah. And you need to let your diffuse mode, D-I-F-F-U-S-E, your diffuse right. mode, go to work for you. And if you want to know where all this comes from, go check out the book, A Mind for Numbers. And uh, I, I took a course in Coursera called Learning How to Learn. Blew my mind. Those of you who, who are interested in checking it out, totally free. Anybody can take it. And it's a company's, there's a book that they use as a reference. It's called A Mind for Numbers by the same people who teach the class. Bottom line is, we tend to try to solve problems and get, get unstuck in our focused mode. The best way to get unstuck is to allow your mind to dig into the resources and make the connections for you in your diffuse mode so that you can become to apply more creativity, more energy to create more, a more simple solution. Oftentimes, we love to create the complex solution. Your mind and your heart is ready to go to work for you if you will let it. So let your diffuse mode go work for you. So sometimes, you know, drawing those pictures and creating those mental models can help that help you go to work, take a walk, go walk around. So I know I'm just giving very simple things, but sometimes in the immediate moment, people need to know how to release that angst. And those are my best recommendations. That's awesome. And um, I'm really glad. I thought you were going to say thinking fast and slow. And I'm so glad that you didn't because the book was too long. Um, yeah. It, what's interesting to me long. is your, your approach is, is different than mine. So um, where you have, I mean, I agree with that diffuse thing. So for me, it is getting my head into another space. So the two yeah. best ways I know to do that for me are either to, to go running or, or play guitar. Like that just puts my, I, I let go of everything when I do those things. Um, those are great examples too, by the way, of how you put your diffuse mode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But where, where you phone a friend for me, the, the it's all an internal thing. I have to decide like, is First of all, I have to accept that this is a problem the universe is going to keep bringing back to me until I figure out what to do with it. If it's something I want to solve, then I have to find my own internal win for yeah. it. But, but for me, that's all self-talk, um, which is that's what's so interesting about this is like our approaches are, are very, very different. Um, and where you want to draw, I try to look at it from a million different angles, my point of view, everybody else's point of view. Um, there was this, this, uh, I don't know if you watch the show succession, but a couple episodes ago, there was a scene where they were trying to decide who they wanted to become the next president. And the, the family sat in this room and they tried out each candidate. They're like, well, what about this person? How would this work? That person, how would it work? And each time they fought to see if they could make this the answer. Um, and I try to do that with, with stuff like that in my head to see, what is the point of pursuing it? Is right. it worth it? And then, and then I have my answer and then I can move forward. It's excellent. And really what I love is you and I can bring that multiple. In fact, many of you out there, even beyond Dave and I, you may have your go-to thing. I love that we share these different ideas because sometimes you need to hear these different ideas to try 
those different strategies and things to help you get unstuck. Because what you just said is also, it's like creating, I like to create my little matrix where you say, you know, here's all the alternatives. Yeah. Here's what's important. Here are the pros and cons. And you can begin weighting averages. Like I've applied the whole Six Sigma approach to decision-making. And that is also a way to take it all out of your, your head and heart and put it out there so you can see it for what it is. Visualizing that, it, yeah. Sometimes that's what I do when I talk to somebody else because it helps me pull that out under those recesses where I've got it buried somewhere, you know? Yeah, I think you can, I mean, there's oceans you can learn by visualizing and just standing back and looking at whatever it is. It's going to create insights you would never have found any other way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it really all boils down, Dave, to, you know, is the thing that you're doing, are you focusing on progress over perfection? And I'm just my words, like you hear this kind of thing, but that's something that really resonates with me because I don't want to, I want to focus more on how can I bring more, be more, give more, make more of an impact. Yeah. I don't want it to be about um, me having to be perfect because that's never going to happen. And so I know I'm not one that if I feel like it has to be perfect, I don't even want to try because there's no fun in it. There's no fun. Exactly. Cause I want the, the joy of learning. It's the joy of exploration and curiosity, you know, and what can I do to create different ideas and bring those ideas together? And so for anyone who takes the time to listen in, who really does care about this, you know, think about it in your own terms and what tangible thing can you begin doing differently? to challenge yourself, to ask yourself more about why do I do these things? Where might I be limiting myself? Because when you go on this exploration yourself, you may set the stage for how you will be leading and influencing other people to be on their journey too. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to ask one, I'm going to stick on this point for a second. I want to try to see if we can come up with a very specific thing, but um, then I want to offer you the opportunity to roll out your Brene Brown quote. Um, <laughs> But oh yes, yes, yes. When when you are, let's say it's speaking in front of people, um, back when you were kind of getting started with it, or anything that happens, when you have moments where you know that whatever just happened, like ah oh, crap, like that failure, like the failure alarms going off, you know that something you tried just completely tanked. Um, are you able to find the joy in that failure in that moment? Like to me that. If we're going to take a growth mindset, then all of the effort, the wins and the failures, every step of the way is a positive. And I'm just wondering yeah. how, you, how you get to that, to that place when you're in the moment of, of stumbling. I think everyone gets there in their own terms. But my immediate reaction to you is my, I try to allow my go-to to say, okay, here's the brutal reality of what's happening. What have I learned from this or can I learn from this right now and, okay. and, and apply, begin to do differently? And when I shift the focus from the failure to the learning, it tends to get my mindset, my emotions, and my actions aligned okay. to actually doing something about it. And here's the thing. Sometimes you do have to just be okay with taking a moment to acknowledge the, fa- the failure happened. It's okay. Like, we're going to fail. Yeah. Some people go there faster or slower, but for me, the faster I can get my head to the learning, the more I can move to getting my mind 
like I say, my emotions, my energies, and my actions to get moving. Okay, cool. I um, mine is a much more pedestrian. <laughs> I think I about the sh- I think about the show Lost. So in the very first episode, which I think I watched that, then I watched it with my daughter, then I watched it with my wife and my daughter. So I've been stuck on that island three times, and. Mm-hmm. The very first episode, there's a scene where Jack, where Matthew Fox's character is talking about like panicking, I think it's in the first episode. And he says he allows himself three seconds of panic and fear. And he just lets it all in and then he turns it off, shuts it down. And so for me, like if if I have that moment, I'm going to, like you said, you have to give it, you have to acknowledge it. So I'll let myself feel complete and total failure and horror at what just happened for a couple mm-hmm. seconds. And then, okay, done. I got it. Now I got to do the next thing. Um, because I think I have to give it, if I don't give it room, it's going to creep around in the back and be like haunting me, but I have to give it the stage for a second. And then I need to tell it to go sit in the front row and I'm going to do some other stuff to make it better. Um, just to not let it be in charge. I think yeah. that that is a, is a big part of it is you know, getting back up, right? Mm-hmm. Getting back up, trying it over again. Um, you got it. All right, Brene Brown. Yeah, so many of you have heard, I'm sure, like <laughs> millions and millions of people have been moved by some of the recent work, the last decade, really, of Brene Brown. But, you know, one of her many books I've read, and I couldn't even begin to tell you, is it her first, second, third book? But I'm, I'm yeah, they all kind of was, blend together. I think you. it was Rising Strong. I'm pretty sure it was Rising Strong that I, where I got where you know she talks about the man in the arena. I like to say the person in the arena for those of you who who struggle with you know overcoming the the gender concept there. But you know the the, the point of her message is based upon a quote and a speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave in in, in 1910. And in the, in the speech, the core of it for me is. You know, would you rather be in the arena, in the fight, in the doing of the work, or be on the sidelines observing the athlete or the participant or the person who's on the field actually engaging in play? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be in it or do you want to be a critic of those who are in it? And his quote, his whole message is too long. I'm not going to read it all, but it's the credit goes to the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error. So powerful. Yeah. You know, who does the striving to do the deed? Who has the enthusiasm, the devotion? the worthiness. Are you as a human being going to be willing to be worthy of all that? Or are you going to allow the critic on the sideline stop you? And I just love the whole concept behind, you know, what not only Brene Brown did, but what Carol Dweck has done and so many other great people out there, including many of our listeners. You're the courageous ones who are striving. You're trying, you are willing, you are learning, you're listening. I want to be among that group of people. I am in a growth mindset. I have a lot to learn. And I love that we have this platform to share our ideas and our thinking. Yeah. So I'm just, you know, really inspired by this, these ideas. And I love getting to unpack them and share them with you, Dave. So I, I just appreciate this opportunity. 
Well, I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you doing it too. I, we, we have to talk about the company stuff because that was something you brought up in the beginning that yeah. I just realized we hadn't gotten back to. So, so if you think back to organizations that are stuck, if they're stuck, you bring them together and you rally them around the why, the deeper purpose, and they people really understand it. And then they you challenge them. And I've done this with many teams to write their why, their personal why, and connect it to the company why. What you're doing is you're actually metaphorically positioning the fulcrum and the lever in the right place to move mountains. Because not only have you created clarity around the reason why, which is energy for that team, but you're having people show up and put their personal energy into it. And when that personal, powerful energy comes together, it's like electric, it's like a lightning bolt. Oh my gosh, I've seen it happen over time and time again. So there's lots of ways that every one of the strategies that we've covered today can be applied the organizational and the team level too. Yeah, I think that individual thing is really important. Like, like for me, um, when I'm in situations where I, a lot of places I've worked, people are of the "it's never going to change; it's always going to be this way." I have this insurmountable problem. Then, okay, you do. Maybe you do. Maybe right now it can't change, but there's still something that you can find that you can get better at what you're doing that you can learn from. And I think finding that motivator to make the effort worth the struggle, that that builds momentum across people. Because if you think about an organization, an organization can't stop and say, okay, I'm going to draw a picture and call a friend um, or, or, you know, go running. It can't go running. So the people that work there though, all the individual pieces can, and that collective energy is built. And that's, what's going to help the organization fall in love with the struggle of finding the way, you know, you failed your agile transformation three times. Great. You're one, you're one step closer. Right? Exactly. It's a three feet from gold. It's a yeah. three feet from gold idea. Exactly. Because yeah. the gold is there. We all know creating an organization that is responsive to change is powerful. Any human or team that is responsive to change, because that's the reality, you can do, you have no limits. You can do anything yeah. when you're responsive to change, especially as you begin to exercise and practice that. And that's why I love that we're exploring this growth mindset because my view ties directly back to exercising and practicing that skill of that mindset, giving yourself the freedom to say, Hey, I've got something to learn. And yeah. what can I do with that? And how can I be better today? Yeah, this was awesome. Um, so I've, I've got a question for the folks that are listening. If you don't mind, um, we'd love to hear back from you about how you go about getting back into the path of falling in love with the effort, even when you stumble, like, what do you do to recover that that desire to keep improving um, or what is your, your technique for doing that? Um, if you don't mind posting that in the show notes, it'd be great to see it. We'd love to learn from, from all of you who are listening. So, um, and we've got two more to go, right? We do. We do. Crit- We're going to be talking criticism. about how we handle criticism. Mm-hmm. Ready for that one. And then success of others. Um, oh, so we have two, two one. juicy ones coming up. Oh, very good. So Mary, if people want to get in touch with you with follow-up questions or anything, what's the best way for them to reach you? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with any of you. Mary Kaufman out there. You'll find me K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. And you can email me at leadingagile.com. It's Mary Kaufman, K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N at leadingagile.com. Awesome. Thanks. And I'll make sure we include links to that and to all this stuff. And I'll figure out where the Brene Brown quote came from. Um, (laughs) Thank you for your time. And thank you all for listening. Thanks, everyone. 